Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. Good morning, class. Today, I would like to tell you all a little story about responsibility. Do you all know what responsibility means, class? Yay! Well, for those of you who are not completely familiar, responsibility means doing what you are supposed to do. Completing your assignments, for example. Mr. Jax, that's me, your teacher, I have a great responsibility. I must show up for work every day here in the classroom to assure that you young people are kept safe and not allowed to run around with scissors or poke one another in the eye with your pencils. My responsibility is to make certain that you are taught your lessons and are not simply allowed to wander outside without supervision. Do you think that one of my responsibilities is to make sure that the classroom doors remain closed in order to keep bad people out of our classrooms? Yay! Do you think that whilst we are all out at recess on the schoolyard, my responsibility is to make certain that bad people don't climb over the fence and steal some of you little children? Do you think that I have a great responsibility here at the Sophie J. Middlebury School for talented and gifted youngsters to keep you all safe from bad people who might sneak in? Very well then, class. I should like to tell you a story about a lady who has a great responsibility. A responsibility to make certain that bad people are not breaking into our nation. Bringing in bad drugs, kidnapping young children, or doing bad things to people, or hurting you, or even stealing from your mommies and daddies. Sounds like a lot of responsibility, doesn't it, class? So what do you think should happen to a person who has that job, that responsibility, but they don't even show up to work? Should that person be in trouble for not doing their jobs? Well, boys and girls, the lady in that story's name is Kamala Harris, and she is the Vice President of the United States. She is the second most powerful person in our entire land. And one of her responsibilities, class, is to make certain that bad people don't cross our southern border and do bad things to little children like yourselves, or to steal from your mommies and daddies, or to take your parents' jobs away from them and make you all homeless. Miss Harris is supposed to go down to the southern border to make sure that the fences are locked and the gates are closed and none of those bad people are coming into our country illegally. But she has not even gone to her job one single day since she was given the job. 
Do you think she should be punished? Yay! Of course she should. Will she be punished? Of course not, because she has a D behind her name. And class, you all know what D stands for. <coughs> That's right, Democrat. And what have we learned about Democrats? It's that Democrats never get punished for doing bad things. And Timmy, your answer to last week's question about what should happen to Democrats who do bad things, you said, I should become a Democrat, was incorrect. <laughs> you should not become a Democrat, for there should be no excuse made for doing bad things. And that is the end of story time for this day. Have a good day, class. Okay, boys and girls, I want to tell you all a story about Black Lives Matter. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation is now supposedly building an infrastructure to catch up to the speed of its funding. BLM plans to use its endowment to become known for more than just protesting. BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors said the foundation is focused on a need to reinvest into black communities. This just days after finding out that she has purchased four homes totaling millions of dollars by using BLM donations. The foundation said it has committed $21.7 million in grant funding to official and unofficial BLM chapters, as well as 30 black-led local organizations. BLM ended the year 2020 with more than $60 million in assets after spending some of its assets on grant funds and other so-called charitable giving. As I reported last week on the Truth Hurts program, the BLM of Greater Atlanta leader, a man by the name of Sir Major Page, a 32-year-old AA hyphenated American, 13% minority, was arrested on Friday in Toledo, Ohio, and he's facing federal wire fraud money laundering charges for spending donation money intended to help the African American community on tailored suits a home in Ohio, guns, and bling bling. He became involved with the Black Lives Matter movement back in 2016 when he founded the Black Lives Matter of Greater Atlanta on a Facebook page. He used that page to solicit donations through a GoFundMe account, according to the FBI. But the $200,000 plus that he squandered on personal luxuries pales in comparison to the millions of dollars that Miss Cullors spent on herself under the guise of Black Lives Matter. Here's my question to all of my Truth Hurts program listeners. Has Black Lives Matter built one community center? Have they revitalized a single basketball court, gymnasium, playground? Have they funded a single scholarship to send black youth to school to learn to be better citizens? No, it is just like the Clinton Foundation. 
It is a money grab. It is an extortion scheme. You see, groups like BM go out every day and solicit donations, large donations from major corporations and what I call protection money from local businesses. It sure would be a shame if you don't donate to the BM movement and something bad happens to your liquor store. Hmm? Sounds just like the mafia in Chicago in the 1920s. Only now, it's not Italian Caucasians running the protection for hire schemes, the extortion schemes. It is the BM movement. The nonprofit organization Black Lives Matter Global Foundation is a registered nonprofit with the Internal Revenue Service, which means not only do they get to extort money from people in the form of donations, but they don't have to pay any taxes on that money. And since they can't legally make a profit, they just divert the money to their founders, their co-founders, their so-called leaders to buy, oh, I don't know, company cars, company houses, offices disguised as houses, houses disguised as offices. I'm still waiting to see if this organized crime, I'm sorry, this organization is actually ever going to do anything for the black lives that they claim matter. We shall have to see. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Hello, crackers. Yo, white bread. Have you ever wanted to play the race card, but your skin is just too light? Is your hair too straight or too blonde? Do you have blue eyes? Is your nose pointy? You don't obviously have what it takes to be able to play the race card. Until now, new from Game Card Industry Syndicate is a full deck of 54 race cards that you can play anytime, any place that you want to. Four sets of 13 individual suits of cards plus two jokers that can be used in any situation where your white privilege is creating a scene. The deck includes 13 solid black cards, 13 dark brown cards, 13 light brown cards, and 13 Asian cards, complete with oriental numerals. There's also two jokers. One shows the face of Al Sharptongue and the other, Jesse, Jack's son. Your complete set of race cards is not available in stores, so you have to act now before this offer is censored by the mainstream media and social media platforms. Now even the fairest-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, freckle-faced conservative Caucasian can play the race card. To order, call toll-free 1-855-BIG-CHIP. That's 1-855-BIG-CHIP. Like the chip on the shoulders of those who don't want you to be able to play the race card. Operators are standing by. Ask now how you can add a deck of LGBTQ cards for use anytime you need a gay pass. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, is accusing his counterpart, Representative Maxine Waters, a Democrat of California, of inciting violence with comments she made in a Minneapolis suburb over the weekend 
McCarthy said in a tweet late Sunday evening, quote, Maxine Waters is inciting violence in Minneapolis, just as she has incited it in the past. If Speaker Pelosi doesn't act against this dangerous rhetoric, I will bring action next week, unquote. Maxine Waters made comments in question while visiting Brooklyn Park, a city on the edge following the police killing of the 20-year-old criminal Dante Wright, who was fleeing from police earlier this month. That town is located only a few miles from the scene of the criminal thug George Floyd's death last year. Waters, in her most ignorant English, said she is going to fight with all the people who stand for justice. We got to get justice in this country and we cannot allow these killings to continue. One thing noticeably missing from Maxine Waters' rhetoric is her failure to call on the black community to simply stop committing all these crimes and then simply stop resisting arrest. Stop pulling your weapons on cops. Stop trying to fight your way free and flee when you're being arrested for committing a crime. Maxine Waters couldn't say those comments if they were written on a teleprompter in front of her because in her mind, black people don't commit crimes. Only white cops commit crimes against black people. And if a black person is committing a crime, in the opinion of people like Maxine Waters, it's just reparations for all the years of slavery those living people today have had to endure. Again, her ignorance shows on a daily basis. No man, no woman, no parent, no grandparent, no great-grandparent alive today has ever been a slave or ever owned a slave. The silly idea of reparations is simply a pandering move to get votes and, of course, to bilk money out of white Americans whom, for the most part, are not descendants of slave owners. When asked by reporters in Brooklyn Center about the potential outcome of the Chauvin trial, Maxine Waters said that activists have got to stay on the street and we've got to get more active if he is not found guilty. She also said, according to Fox News, we've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they know we mean business. Now, I'm going to stop for just a moment. Remember when Donald Trump was the president of the United States? Conversations that Mr. Trump made were nowhere near as calls to action as what Miss Waters just said. They tried to impeach Donald Trump for insurrection and inciting a riot at the Capitol on January 6th, when all Donald Trump said is, thank you for your support. I know you're all going to go down and address your grievances near the Capitol after this speech. That was all he said. He never once called for confrontation. He never once called for people to get more active. He never told people to stay on the street. I'll repeat what Maxine Waters said. When asked by reporters in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, about the potential outcome of the Chauvin trial, Waters said that activists have, quote, got to stay on the street and we've got to get more active, unquote, if he is not found guilty. 
And she said on Fox News, quote, we've got to get more confrontational, unquote. She also said, we've got to make sure that they know that we mean business. Who is they, Miss Waters? White people? Who is we, Miss Waters? 13% double-A hyphenated American minorities? On Sunday, GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia said she would introduce a resolution to expel Miss Waters from Congress over her comments. Greene said, quote, As a sitting United States Congresswoman, Representative Maxine Waters threatened a jury demanding a guilty verdict and threatened violence if Chauvin is found not guilty. This is also an abuse of power, unquote. Here's the bottom line, people. The jury has not been sequestered until after the opening arguments are completed, which means every one of those jurors who was watching the news in Minnesota, and you know they were, every one of those jurors has now been threatened with violence. Every one of those jurors has basically now been held for ransom. Ransom being, if you don't find Chauvin guilty, the African American 13% hyphenated American double A minority is gonna come and get you. And if you don't think that's possible, this next story will blow your mind. According to police, a pig's head was left at the former home of defense witness who said Derek Chauvin's restraint of George Floyd was justified at the trial of Derek Chauvin. A group of people vandalized what it was found out to be the former Northern California home of an expert witness who testified for the defense in the murder trial against Derek Chauvin. They threw a bloody pig head on the front porch and splattered blood on the house located in Santa Rosa, California. That's the place where retired police officer Barry Broad used to live and work. He doesn't live there or work there anymore. Broad testified last week in Chauvin's trial saying that the former Minneapolis police officer was justified in his use of force against the criminal thug George Floyd, who died while in police custody last May. The Santa Rosa Police Department said Broad no longer lives at that residence or even in California, but that it appears the suspects in this vandalism were targeting him for his testimony. He was the first witness to say he believed Chauvin was following proper police practice when he knelt on George Floyd's back. However, several Minneapolis police officers, including the police chief, who were all fearing for their lives, along with some local police trainers and national so-called use of force experts, testified that Chauvin's actions were not justified. Broad said, quote, I felt that Officer Chauvin's interactions with Mr. Floyd were following his training, following current practices in policing, and objectively reasonable. In a statement, the Santa Rosa police said they received a call about vandalism at this home at 3 a.m. on Saturday. You ever notice that nothing good happens at 3 o'clock in the morning? Remember, it was at 3 o'clock in the morning in Chicago 
that that 13-year-old thug in training, Adam Toledo, was shot while having a gun and refusing to obey police officers' orders, dropping the gun, holding his hands in the air. You know, the sort of things you're supposed to do when the cops tell you to, drop the gun and put your hands in the air. What the hell is a 13-year-old little thug in training doing out with a gun at 3 o'clock in the morning? Sorry, I digress. According to a tweet by Mr. Andy No, a conservative columnist, Adam Toledo was known in gang circles as Lil Homicide and Baby Diablo. Elizabeth Toledo, the teen's mother, told reporters her son had gone missing for several days in late March and that she had contacted Chicago police to help find him. She said he eventually returned home on the night of March 28th. Really? Your kid is gone for days and days and then you call the cops? It is unknown why and under what circumstances or even how the boy wound up in an alley with a 21-year-old man named Reuben Roman of Chicago in the hours that preceded his death. But at 3 a.m., when nothing good ever happens, two Chicago police officers confronted two men while investigating gunshots in an area known as Little Village, a predominantly Latino neighborhood on Chicago's southwest side. According to prosecutors, shots were fired by one of the two suspects. Roman, allegedly now, according to prosecutors, had fired a gun at a passing car. Over the course of a few seconds, one of the officers, identified as 34-year-old Eric Stillman, exited his squad car and started running after these two vagrants. According to Snopes analysis of the footage from Stillman's body-worn camera, the boy had a gun. As another officer caught up to Roman and arrested him, Stillman kept chasing the teen yelling, police, stop, stop right now. Then in a split second, the officer opened fire. Toledo was recorded holding what appeared to be a handgun, dropping the item, turning towards a cop and starting to raise his arm per a frame-by-frame -frame analysis of the video. It's real easy to play armchair quarterback, Snopes. It's real easy because you're sitting at a computer in some plush office somewhere doing a frame-by-frame -frame analysis. In the split-second, high-energy, life-and-death situation in an alley, a dark alleyway where you are chasing two suspects, both armed, and one of them turns and has a gun in his hand, and you're shouting and he is refusing to obey your instructions, and your life is threatened, and you make that split-second decision to discharge your firearm to protect yourself from being killed by a thug criminal. Because Chicago's a gun-free city, people. Don't say I'm being racist. Don't say I'm accusing someone. The fact that those people were holding guns in the gun-free, gun-controlled city of Chicago makes them criminals in the eyes of the law in the city of Chicago. So as I was saying, as these two thugs were running from police after firing shots at a car, 
after responding to a shots fired call over the 911 emergency dispatch system. These two officers did their jobs. Had the criminals both simply stopped, put their hands on their heads, dropped their weapons, they would both be alive. The 21-year-old had enough common sense to follow the lawful instructions of that cop. He is alive. The young kid, who the cops didn't know was a young kid at that moment, a short black male holding a gun, hiding behind a fence, peeping around with a gun in his hand and turning at that moment, caused a police officer to fire his weapon in defense of his own life and killed what later turned out to be a seventh grader who had no damned business being outside of his mother's house at three o'clock in the morning in the company of a known felon a member of the Latin Kings, according to Andy No, That boy is dead for one reason and one reason only. His mother did not give him any home training. His mother failed him. His parents, if he even knows his father, failed him. Society failed him. Because society still, and even more so now than even last week, seems to want to point the fingers at a police officer who was defending himself against a black thug with a weapon in his hand at three o'clock in the morning when no one should be out lurking around and certainly no one should be firing guns at passing cars in a city that has the strictest gun laws in the United States of America. And by the way, the question was, was this kid affiliated with the Latin Kings gang, which is a very famous drug trafficking street gang? The question came up to Alderman George Cardenas, who said, this young man had nobody. It's sad to say that this young man, and I've heard rumors, nobody, nobody that could help him except a gang. Nobody could claim him as their own except a gang. So shame on us. I own that. But I thought the kid had a mother. I thought he had a mother. The boy's family condemned the narrative. Adina Weiss Ortiz, the family's attorney, said Toledo's mother stressed that he was loved and supported and had a clean criminal record before his death and did not condone violence. The family said in a statement to the news media, we do, however, want to correct the hurtful and false mischaracterization of Adam as a lonely child of the street who had no one to turn to. This is not true. He lived with his mother and his 90-year-old grandfather and two of his siblings. His father was in his life. They all love him very much. The Toledo family is a close-knit family. They look after each other. Adam attended Gary Elementary School where he had the support of his teacher and his classmates. Adam was not alone. The lawyer stated, Adam was a good kid without a criminal record. Well, in Chicago, that probably meant he hadn't got caught yet. Lil Homicide and BVBY Diablo, Baby Diablo, were authentically used by Toledo's social circle, and he had some affiliation, at least, with the Kings. 
Too bad it wasn't with the Martin Luther Kings. Maybe if he had a dream or he shall overcome, he'd still be alive today. Like I said, nothing good happens at three in the morning. Drivers, drivers, drivers! This Saturday night, under the lights at the all-new Ivanka Motors Mega Maxi Truck Center, you can be one of the first people in America to witness the all-new 2022 Kingfish Guzzler 350 pickup truck. This bad boy comes stock from the factory with 48-inch alloy wheels, Mudmaster Mudder 8500 series tires, four-wheel drive, 12-speed military-grade transmission, 411 gearing, 28-inch lift, hydraulic bed, and the awesome new 12-cylinder triple-turbo diesel annihilator high-torque motor. The all-new Kingfish Guzzler 350 truck features 1,250 horsepower and a whopping 999 pound-feet of torque. Towing? Not a problem. The beast of the road can tow up to 38,000 pounds of whatever the hell you want. Built-in twin radar and laser detectors front and rear, a police scanner, deep tinted windows, and the ability to roll coal for three entire city blocks. This truck is just what real men want and what America needs. Lesbians are also invited. Best of all, this bad boy gets an incredible seven miles to the gallon on the highway, four in the city, and who gives a damn when you're off-road? The all-new for 22, Kingfish Guzzler 350 from Ivanka Motors. Drive one today and be the king of the road. That's going to do it for this second edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and try to make it a great day, everybody, and we will see you on the next program. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts program network. All rights reserved.